Ask yourself that. What's the, what's the top priority in your life? What takes your time? Well, your job, well, my family, my recreation, my television, the magazines, my hobbies. What attention, if you were to add up in your week, do you really give to your spiritual health? Where can you even find an emphasis on spiritual health in school, in the marketplace, in music, in government, anywhere at all in our society? It's very, very difficult to find. So the first thing that I want you to underline in your mind is it must become a top priority in your life. Must become top priority. Second of all, remember that it is the most necessary ingredient, this book, your spiritual growth, your spiritual input. Deuteronomy 8.3 says this, Man will not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You'd be amazed. Uh, today there's a raging debate as to whether God has His place in government, whether the Bible has its place in government. If you really want to challenge yourself and really know history, I am an avid reader. I probably read a book a month, if not more. When you get the Reader's Digest, I sit down and I read the whole thing all at one time. Front cover to the back cover. Looking for information, looking for ideas, to span and, and broaden my horizons and my understanding of life. And I love history. This book I finished a year ago. I'm rereading it now. Christianity and the Constitution will, will uh, shock you if not do more than that, if not outrage you. This country was founded on the Bible. John Jay, one of the founding fathers of the Constitution, knew how to read the Bible by the time he was four years old. By the time these men, Alexander Hamilton, Patrick Henry, Samuel Adams, John Adams, by the time these men were 14 and 15 years old, they were in Princeton and Harvard University, and they were Christian colleges at the time, led by well-known pastors, Cotton Mather, and others in the early 1700s. This country was bedrocked on this book, on its principles in law and government. Blackstone was the most well-read author of the time. They have, I have some statistics at home that have taken in these men's writings the most often quoted books. First is the Bible. First, in all their writings. You know, it's not like today. Today, if we write a letter in a year, we're doing real well. Washington, George Washington, if you average up all the letters he wrote, he wrote one a day for every day of his life. These men kept journals. That was, they were taught that in school. This is the most often quoted book. Second is Blackstone. You go to law school today and you read about Blackstone because Blackstone believed in the fundamental evil nature of man and that law must govern man and that law cannot be changed to suit the whims of man. So this country had a bedrock foundation. The secret to this country, Benjamin Franklin said, we've given you a republic. When a woman asked him, what have you given us? He said, I've given you a republic. What a republic was, was self-government. And he made this statement, when this country loses its ability to govern itself, democracy is a hoax. Do you understand that? Our constitution does not work when people do not govern their own lives. That's why we're having such a tremendous problem right now with law. In order. Because morals are gone. Spiritual life is gone. It's do whatever you want. And basically, the Constitution doesn't work real effectively unless people are governing themselves. Same is true with the Bible. We must apply it to our life. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babies eagerly desire the pure milk of the Word that you might grow. 
We have a little son. His name is Micah. He's three months. I call him Brutus the Beefcake. That's my nickname for Micah. Little Brutus. Little Micah is already wearing 13, 14 month old clothes. He's off the scales in his height and weight. One thing I'm very proud of of my son is he's gotten down the milk principle. Boy, does he crave milk. He eats and he eats and he eats and he eats and occasionally he sleeps. Otherwise, he eats and he eats and he eats and he eats. You know, maybe he'll be the Hulk Hogan in my family. I don't know. Little Hulkster, that's the other nickname I have for him. He is huge. Long, big, beautiful. You know, he's just a gorgeous little guy. Well, we need to have that understanding of our spiritual life. Unless we desire it as a newborn baby, just the example we get from a little child, we won't grow spiritually. Now, I just want to pass on a few tidbits to you. The average American watches approximately six hours of television a day. They have a daily diet of the newspaper, a daily diet of the radio, a daily diet of Time and Newsweek. And just for your information, they are nutritionally unsound. They will not feed you. They will not broaden your horizons. They will not cause you to grow as an individual. You know, I mean, it just didn't do a lot for me yesterday as I watched the sports, seeing every few minutes that people are getting shot in China. I mean, I'm concerned, but it really didn't do a lot for me. What can I do? There's an oppressive government there. What can I do? Or if I sit in front of the television and feed on Cosby or Dallas every night, you know, if it comes between the Bible and Dallas, what do you think people are going to pick? Dallas, hands down. I, don't have, I really don't have anything against Dallas. I watch TV. I watch Arsenio Hall once in a while. I like Simon. I like the Rockford Files. I like MacGyver. You know, but the bottom line is this. I know it doesn't do a thing for me. It doesn't feed me. It doesn't build me up. And I, and I can live with that. I've identified that and recognized that. But when the average American's working, as Brent showed with us last week, 47 hours a week and watches approximately six hours of television a day times seven days, that's another 42 hours. We're at 91 hours a week taken out in front of the tube and at work. What's left? Softball! Softball! Five nights a week! It's a craze in this city. Softball! Mountain biking! Mountain climbing! Running! What? It, it takes up all of our time. I'd like to turn Psalm 19. And I just want to read something brief to you in Psalm 19 about the Bible. Alright? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold and much fine gold. They are sweeter than honey the honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned in keeping them. There is great reward. I just want to cover with you seven benefits that you will gain from a healthy diet of the Bible. Okay? Seven benefits. The first one is it revives and refreshes your soul and spirit. You ever gone through life, gone through the day, you're just frazzled. You come home, you're just absolutely frazzled. You wish supper was already ready. You know, you wish you didn't have a thing to do, kick off the shoes or run out, put on your athletic clothes and out we go to relieve stress. We're just worn. I'll tell you a little secret. Try the Bible sometime. Come home, you're shot out of your mind. 
you're beat, you're exasperated, you're frustrated, go sit down, pick up your Bible, turn to Psalms. Psalm 1, Psalm 2, Psalm 3, read for a little while. Read. What's it going to take you? 15 minutes, you know? 20 minutes? 30 minutes? Start to read. You'll find that you gain a refreshment and a revivement on the inside of you that nothing on the outside can give you. That no external thing can do for you more than the Bible. The second thing is it gives you wisdom and insight in living life and dealing with problems. I would be absolutely lost in ministry if it wasn't for this book. The last 13 years of my life, I've made it my personal priority to study this book, to know this book, to read it, to reread it, to read it, and reread it, and read and reread, and to apply it to my life, to apply it to my family, to apply it to my marriage. And I can honestly say to you that if it wasn't for the insight of this book and the help of this book in dealing with life, I would have given up family life a long time ago. There's been days and things happened in my life I wouldn't even be able to face if it was not for the wisdom that God gave me from this book. Thirdly, it brings joy to your heart. It encourages you. You know, nothing brings joy to the heart more than God and God's Word. Nothing. Take my word for it. I've experienced it 13 years of my life. Nothing brings greater joy than the promises from God, than the direction that God gives. Nothing is more frustrating than feeling aimless and without purpose in life. The Bible gives you purpose. It gives you meaning. It shows you your significance. Without it, there's no other way to know it. Fourth, it gives you light and understanding in the unclear, confusing issues of life. You know, there's a lot of unclear issues today. If you're on the college campus going to class, there's a lot of muddy issues today. If you're in the business world, there's a lot of muddy issues. Unclear. What should I do in this situation? What should I do here? Believe it or not, there is right and wrong. There is a right and wrong. Today you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who could tell you some things that are right and some things that are wrong. There is a right and wrong way to live life. There is a good way and a best way. And the Bible gives you that insight. Fifthly, it gives you sure footing and a solid foundation for your life. I was with an individual not too long ago who was thinking of leaving his wife. And we were talking and I told him in all honesty, I said, I want to tell you something real honestly. I said, you're no different than I am and I'm no different than you are. If it wasn't for the solid foundation, the only difference in my life and your life is the foundation of this book. If it wasn't, I would have left. I would have given up. I would have gone self-seeking my own way. This book has given stability and security to my life. Six, it is more valuable than wealth. It gives us more strength and security than money. This is a hard one, isn't it? You know, I've experienced this 13 years of my life. The last 10 I've been married and been a parent for the last nine. It's one thing to say, you, you know, you trust God when you're single. It's another thing when you get married and have a family and you wonder what your future is going to hold. Instead of spending your time amassing wealth for this life, you're amassing it for the next. You begin to wonder. Our, our society today basically and honestly, I think if we can be honest with ourselves today, worships money and all that it can buy. It is the main pursuit of men and women today in our society. Just a little more. Just a little more. Just a little more. There's always a pursuit after it, but the Bible, you know, 
a little secret. I'll tell you a little secret. The Bible tells you something about money in Proverbs. It tells you it surely takes wings as an eagle and flies away. No one can possess it forever. Wealth does not stay in the family forever. It takes wings. God gives you the ability to invest it, the wisdom to invest it, and make it count for now and for eternity. Just to show you how much we esteem money, if we had a lottery today, and the grand prize was a brand new leather-bound Bible, what do you think would buy tickets? Would you? You think about that. We just don't esteem this book. We just don't respect it. Money is more important. But God promises that the Word of God is greater riches than all money can give you. Seventh, it will richly satisfy the needs of your heart and soul. We have needs. Our soul is languishing. That's what, as Bill was sharing earlier, people go, they work out, they go work out, they go work out, and yet when they're done... Their body may feel better, but the soul is languishing. The soul is thirsty. The soul is hungry. That's why Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you the waters of life and you'll never thirst again. He gives you the water, you never thirst again. And this is where you find that water. This is the well and it never runs dry. Right here, this book. It richly satisfies you. I know for myself personally, and I read probably as much as anyone here or more. I I just love it. My father was an avid reader. He instilled it in me. And I love to read. But I have found in all the books I've ever read, no book that gives the wisdom, the joy, the peace that the Bible gives. None at all. I've not found one that can compare. So now we've covered the need for it. We've covered the value for it. The last thing I want to cover briefly with you is how to make the Bible a part of your life. That's the essential bottom line where the rubber meets the road. How do I make the Bible a part of my life? The first thing, obviously, get a Bible. Get a Bible. I thought I better start at ground level here today. You know, just in case, I don't want to make any assumptions. But, but let me tell you this, I'm sure a lot of you have got the same Bible I had. Maybe it was the confirmation Bible you got 50 years ago. You know, the King James Latin version. You know? (laughs) That one that is so difficult to understand. So I would encourage you, go out and get a Bible that you understand. I want to give you a few suggestions. The Living Bible. Usually will be under the title of the book or the way. The NIV, New International Version, or the New American Standard Version. One of those three will be easy for you to understand And it will be very, very helpful to your life. I read all versions. I have about ten Bibles at home. And so occasionally, from time to time, I pull out another one and I do all my reading out of that one. I put it, I do all my reading out of that. Occasionally when I'm studying, I'll go read a passage out of all ten versions. Try to get as much light on that passage as I can. You don't have to get ten. Just get one. Second point is, you don't have to get an expensive, fancy one. There's nothing holy about leather. I just happen to like leather. There's nothing better about leather or cardboard or paperback. You don't have to spend $42.95, spend $11.95. Just get the whole thing. Get the old and the new, one that has both of them. One you can throw around, beat around, you know, you don't have to kiss it. All God cares about is you use it. You know? You don't have to worry about it if it gets tarnished or torn. Just don't let it collect dust. You know? 
Always remember this. A Bible with dust is a good picture of your soul. One of the greatest things that will help a smoker quit smoking is to look at their lungs. They're black, grungy, kind of yuck. That's what I think when I see a Bible with dust. That's what my spiritual life's like. Dingy, dusty, decrepit. I want to change. Blow the dust off, start to use it. The third thing is don't be afraid of it or intimidated by it. God wrote this so you could understand it. Don't be afraid of it. You know? Don't think, well, I can never understand it like Mark. Sure you can. God will help you. It's understandable. Read it. Read it. You'll find that out. Don't be intimidated. Don't think it's this book. I, I don't know what's scary. It's not scary. It's not scary at all. Two, make it your personal priority to get to know your Bible. Make it a priority to get to know it. Not know about it, but to know it. Here's a practical suggestion. Choose a time and location to read your Bible, a place where there aren't a lot of distractions, like reading and watching TV at the same time. Just not going to work. It's not going to work. My suggestion, you know, you know where my place is now? We just rearranged our home because my daughters are, have their room and my son now has room in the basement. So you know where my place is? The garage. I cleaned it all out the other day and I put a little cardboard down and I sit out there in the garage and I pace the floor in the garage and I read. That's where I read or that's where I think. On the garage. Or I go to Fort Snelling. Get alone. Get away. Sit down in your favorite chair pour a cup of coffee or whatever. Sit down and, ref- and begin to read where it's quiet, not in the midst of a lot of distraction. Maybe take it to lunch with you. You know, I used to disguise mine at work. I know it's kind of embarrassing sometimes to pull your Bible out at work. So what I'd do, and we're going to do this later, is I had this little living Proverbs, this New Testament, and I'd slip them inside the other, other covers of like uh, daily planners. You know, they hand out those plastic covers for weekly planners. I even thought I was planning my week, and I was really reading my Bible. I mean, don't be embarrassed. Don't think you've got to pull out this monstrosity of a Bible and stick it on your desk at work for everyone to see. You know, don't make things hard on yourself. Just do it. Might be at a lunch break, it might be out at a park. But just make the time and take the time to do it. Be do it every day, not just once in a while. It must be a regular for you to experience its benefits. It, my rule of thumb is if it comes down to the Bible or Arsenio, and I've not had my Bible, I turn Arsenio off. Okay? If it comes down to Dallas and the Bible, turn Dallas off. Sit down and read. You'd be really surprised at the time we'd have if we just learned to say no. I have a new campaign. Say no. Click it off. Say no. Just say no. And sit down and find all the wonderful free time that you have in life to do all the enriching things in life that it'd be good for you to do, but somehow we never seem to have time. Third, where to start? Where do I start? I mean, this book is big. I have a thin one because I like them thin. But, you know, it's really pretty thick. Where do I start? My advice, start by reading a chapter in Proverbs each day that corresponds to the day of the month. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. There has probably never been a more practical book written than the book of Proverbs. It'll give you practical advice for your business, for your family, for raising children, for personal integrity, for your finances. And I would encourage you to get what's called a living Proverbs. You can pick them up for 55 cents. Stick it in your back pocket and make sure you read one every day. I do this with my children every day. My wife and children, I, this is where we read every day. 
is in the Proverbs. And we read the one for the day, and we split it up, and we each read a section, and then we talk about it. Proverbs gives tremendous advice. Secondly, read the Psalms. Start in the Psalms. The Psalms are wonderfully encouraging, they're refreshing, they give you new perspective in life. And then, read the book of John. If you've done those two, or you want more, read the book of John, the Gospel of John. They give you refreshing insight into Jesus, who he was, what he had to say. And then after that, I'd specifically read the New Testament. Spend time reading through the New Testament. Four, this is the fourth point. Keep a notebook handy and write down something that caught your attention or gave you a question. You know, I even do this with the television. When I'm watching the news, I pick up, I always keep this this notebook I have and these sheets of paper and I'm always jotting down new tidbits of information. Jotting down. I'm driving down the car. I've learned. I've mastered this. Driving down 494 in rush hour. Being able to drive with my knee and write with my pen and paper. Oh, I do that. Ideas will come to me right on the freeway. So if you see me, stay clear. I'm in the silver station wagon. And uh, stay on the other side. I always, a uh, secret to, to driving on the freeway. Ladies, gentlemen. Always get on that ramp and head immediately for the far left lane. Immediately get in that far left lane. This is the cog lane over here. The clog lane, get over the left one. And I'm zooming along and all of a sudden I hear something, I write it down, all of a sudden I think of something, I write it down. My daughter's going, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? You want me to hold the steering wheel? No, no, I'm fine. i got to write this down. Uh, uh, you've got to practice that though before you really get good at that. So my advice, first of all, would be to learn to start at home and write. It doesn't have to be a lot. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a great essay or anything like that. Just a thought. Just a little two-sentence thought. Or a question. Then, always take time to reflect on what you read. After you write it down, put this down. Put this book. Close it up. Take your little sheet of paper and ask these two questions. What does this mean? And how can I apply this to my life now? Those two questions. You do that And I promise you, your life will change. Your life will change. I know for myself personally, I've I've read the Bible now these 13 years. I don't know how many times I've read it through. Certain passages I read over and over again. It has never ceased to amaze me the new things I discover even after 13 years of reading. Because this book, there's something secret about it. If you want to call it magical, you can. It's not mystical, but it's alive. The Bible says of itself, it's living. It's an active ingredient. It's alive. And it's new. And it's fresh. Every day. And I have found that this book has given me the advice I've needed for parenting my four children, for building a dynamic marriage, for working through my finances, for working through my personal life. I would have no idea how to deal with people, how to counsel people if it wasn't for the time I spend in this book and the wisdom that God gives. God will give you wisdom. The Bible says that He will give to anyone who asks, to anyone who studies, to anyone who loves wisdom like a sweetheart, Proverbs says, you'll be wise all the days of your life and you will live safely and securely. All the major questions we need to, how do I make my marriage work? People are wondering that till they're blue in the face. How do I build a successful family? People are wondering that and we're failing at an alarming rate. It's time to get back to the book. This is where it's at. Develop your spiritual life. Next week, we're going to cover a topic entitled Escaping the Stress Monster. 
Escaping the stress monster. Stress has become a major, major problem to 20th century man. There's all kinds of books written about it, all kinds of information about it. We need to know how to deal with stress. The Bible has an answer, and we're going to look at it next week, and I guarantee you that as you apply that one, it'll change your life in dealing with stress. Let me end just by...